Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. From time to time, I do remind you, and as always, I'm thankful that you listen. I'm also thankful whenever you respond and send us a note or two. Always enjoy hearing from you. But above all, we appreciate the fact that you listen. And from time to time, you'll hear me say that our program, as it presents both lungs of the church, the gifts of the church, east and west, but primarily, of course, the gifts of the eastern lung of the church, that we emphasize here that studying anything about the Eastern churches is not just a history lesson, although history is very, very much a part of it. No church is just a museum piece. It is relevant for all times, and so it is with the Eastern lung of the church. The spiritual that we study here and present on our program, yes, we go back to the fathers of the church, we go to the scriptures, we go to the ancient monastics, the spiritual writers all through the centuries. We like to quote ancient texts that are still used today in our liturgy and so on. But all of this, although ancient, is, as St. Augustine said, ancient yet so new. And I'll add another word to Augustine's quote there, if he doesn't mind. <laughs> new, but also relevant relevant to today, and relevant to the hot-button issues of our day, even to things that are very controversial or difficult to understand about the church's teaching on things. I always like to say, the church really doesn't have teachings. It teaches. It simply teaches God's way, God's order of creation, points to that, and asks us to participate in it as the best way to live. One of those issues in which the Eastern churches have a great deal of relevancy, although this is not well known, is the very controversial issue in the church, which has been controversial for decades now, and that is the church's position against contraception and in favor of natural family planning. Out of the blue, as God is wont to do from time to time, I received what I believe is a wonderful book. There was no letter with it. Nobody called me. I just received it. I looked at the book, and it said, Orthodox Christianity, Marriage, and Contraception, Understanding the Mystery of Marriage and the Problem of Contraception from Within the Orthodox Christian Dogmatic Tradition. In other words, the spirituality of Eastern 
Christianity, which we present in this program. And the title of the book excited me right away. And I began to read the book and read it through and studied it. I was very, very impressed by it. And so I contacted the author. And the author is here with us today on Light of the East, I'm proud to say. His name is Anthony Stellan. Anthony Stellan, welcome to Light of the East. Glory to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father Thomas. Uh, glory forever. And very glad to be here with you today. Yes, I was surprised, a pleasant surprise. One of those things that literally kind of dropped out of heaven. <laughs> this book just arrived. I kept looking for, was there a letter here that I missed or something? It just arrived. And it arrived to me, of all people, of course, because I do a lot of work in this area. It's a particular interest of mine. The whole sacramental worldview, especially as applied to marriage and family. And when I read your book, I thought it was really, I believe, a wonderful presentation, a very readable one, a scholarly one at the same time, but a very readable one, very very well-documented one, of Eastern Christianity and its relevancy to this issue of contraception. So let's get into that here a little bit, Anthony. And again, your name is Anthony Stellan, the author of Orthodox Christianity, Marriage, and Contraception. Anthony, tell us why you wrote this book. Why does the Eastern spirituality have something to say about this issue? Well, um, why did I write the book? I think that's that's uh, an interesting question in itself. Um, I think that would probably take me back to a little history about my studies and, and what brought me to bring really together the Orthodox spiritual and theological tradition and really Pope John Paul II's theology of the body and Humanae Vitae, which are, you know, things, teachings and very important and pertinent, timely teachings that we have from the Western lung of the Church, as you like to say. Well, I, I uh, entered the Ukrainian Catholic Church in the year 2000, and I spent a couple of years going to a lot of liturgical services. I was 21 years old. And I just really fell in love with the liturgy of the Eastern Church and just the beauty of it, all of the, the smells and bells, all of the, <laughs> the wonderful beauty of the iconography. And I had a wonderful priest in Ukiah, California, that was Father David Anderson, who was a great liturgist who actually studied with uh, Father Alexander Schmemann, who's well-known in Orthodox circles for all of his wonderful books and He's actually up in the process of canonization in the Orthodox Church now. I think he's servant of God. Anyway, he, uh, Father David, you know, instructed me and, and brought me into the church there. And then I wanted to dive in deeper into our Catholic faith and the common heritage of, of the Catholic Church. And I went back to Franciscan University of Steubenville, and I spent a couple of years there studying theology. That's also where I met my wife back there. She was also studying theology at the time. But I also came across just sort of in, in a similar way as to uh, as you received my book, which that's a funny story in itself. I reflected further upon it and realized that I, I didn't remember ever sending you a copy of my book, but I now remember how that got to you. It was, uh, it was actually sent to you from a friend of mine at my parish where I am now in Seattle, Washington at the uh, St. John Chrysostom Byzantine Catholic Parish in Seattle. And a friend of mine, Colin, he read my book uh, a couple of years ago when I first published it, and he really enjoyed it. He got a lot out of it. And then uh, recently he was reading it again, and he uh, told me one day that he felt inspired to 
have a copy sent to you. <laughs> so that's how you got my book. That was, uh, that was from a friend of mine back here, Colin, and uh, he's a parishioner at our church here. Well, thank you anyway, for that. I, uh, I studied at Franciscan, and I came across a CD that was just being handed out there in one of the halls at Franciscan, and I said, oh, this looks kind of interesting. It was called Marriage in the Eucharist, and it was by Christopher West, and I listened to the whole thing, and, and it was very eye-opening to me. It was very, uh, it was very Eastern in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole idea of the theology of the body, as it was presented there, was one of union with uh, with God, and everything was ordered towards this this union with God through the sacramental order, through the Eucharist, towards deification and. Even the the union of husband and wife is ultimately an image of Christ, the bridegroom, and the church, which is especially lived out and signified and made real through the communion in the Eucharist. So I I loved this whole vision of of the Pope John Paul II's Theology of the Body as I heard it on that CD, and that got me going on the Theology of the Body. And as I Finished up at Franciscan, I really started returning back to uh, Eastern liturgies, and my wife and I were married back in 2005 in the Byzantine Catholic Church, just across the river from Franciscan University in Weirton, West Virginia, St. Mary's of the Assumption, Byzantine Catholic Church. Beautiful little old parish, a lot of ethnic uh, families there that go back many generations. A little different than what we have out here on the West Coast, which are real startup sort of, you know, a lot of people who have come in from other walks of faith and have filled up our churches over here on the West Coast. Back there, back east, as you know, that's it's more of a, uh, a cultural heritage that they've carried yes. on. Anthony, in, in your book, one of the things that I think was a very strong point, you, you yes. kind of almost weave the whole book around it, is this idea of created and uncreated energies, of God's essence and his uncreated energies. And you contrasted that to some of the uh, philosophy and theology of the Western lung of the Church, but you, you talked about this uncreated energies as essential to understanding what the Eastern Church has to offer in this whole issue of uh, contraception and natural family planning. Explain that a little bit for us. Sure, Father, absolutely. Well, one of the most important uh, books that I read after graduating from Franciscan University at Steubenville was uh, Vladimir Lossky's Mystical Theology of the Eastern Church. And that book is very much itself focused around our union with God accomplished through the uncreated energies, or in the West, simply grace. The grace of God is, in the Eastern Church, referred to as the uncreated energies of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we don't participate in the essence of God, but rather in His uncreated energies, which are divine. They are uh, an aspect of the divine being that exists eternally. But this this is imaged really for us in creation. God gave us a beautiful image of this, as you and I have spoken of before, in the sun. Not the sun of God, but the sun in the heavens, the, in the, 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 the solar sphere in the sky. What we participate in from the sun is the light, the warmth, and the energy of the sun. We don't become a two million degree burning ember. That wouldn't really be possible. It wouldn't be good for us. But we participate in the energies, and it's through those energies that we know all that we do about the sun. And that's, that's very similar 
uh, analogy to our participation in God through the uncreated energies. So the whole system of, uh, you know, these male-female dualities, whether you begin with the created image of the relationship of God to man, which is husband and wife, that's where the husband images the penetrating principle, which is the uncreated energies of God, and the wife images the created principle, which is all of creation, the cosmos as a whole that is called to deification, through her receptivity. And so this union of husband and wife is an image, first of all, as St. Paul talks about in Ephesians, the image of husband and wife is an image of Christ the bridegroom and his bride the church. Yes, and Anthony, you know, yes. I'm, what we're going to do is we're going to allow our listeners to digest that, right? Because <laughs> okay, I'm sure, sure they've heard something that hopefully they're impressed with, found beautiful, but it was probably wondering, wow, let's hear more about that, which we are going to do when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya here with Anthony Stellan, our guest today, author of Orthodox Christianity, Marriage, and Contraception. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. The Tabor Life Institute which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's taborlife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host with a very special guest today, Anthony Stellan, author of what I think is a very timely and wonderful book, Orthodox Christianity, Marriage and Contraception. Now, I want the listeners to understand something. When I say the word Orthodox, as Anthony does in his title here, for us here at Light of the East, we're referring to not so much the Orthodox Church. We're referring to that spirituality, the Eastern Christian spirituality, which is shared by both the Eastern Catholic and Orthodox churches. 
Now, we were talking about the uncreated energies before the break. I'm going to read a quote from Anthony's book on page 37 of the book. He said, as we will see in the coming chapters, the reality of the uncreated energies is of utmost importance in understanding the language of the body. A God without energies is a neutered God. Instead of a spiritual marital union between God and his bride, the church, we have two realities which remain outside of one another. In this case, the relationship between God and man reflects the character of a contracepted marital act. If deification is spoken of in this context, it can only mean that God causes man to reflect his perfections as in a mirror, that is, analogously. But there can be no perichoresis, no mutual interpenetration of God and man. This sort of relationship then appears to reflect more of a homosexual or asexual relationship in that the two terms do not ever, in fact, unite but remain closed in each upon himself. Anthony, I was really struck by that paragraph because I think it really encapsulates one of the main points of the book, and that is that this idea from the Eastern theology of God's energies, which which is one of my favorite analogies is the sun, as you mentioned, S-U-N, it's like the sun's rays. You know, we become part of the sun. We literally become part of the sun by the rays enveloping us. You know, it changes us. It, you know, it makes our skin tan. It gives us vitamins and so like that. But yet we don't become the essence of the sun, as you said. We don't go into the very heart of the sun and be burned up. It's the same thing with God. You know, God is, of course, in his essence, is uncreated. He is eternal and so on. We can never be his essence, but we can partake of his very nature through these energies. And that idea, uh, Anthony, I, I really, what I really like about it is it does do, as your book says, it does help us to understand this idea of union with God, of deification. And that's what's happening between man and woman in the one flesh union. And so it is precisely, I believe, in Eastern theology that we can see so much, so much of an expression or articulation of the why behind the church's teaching on natural family planning and against contraception. And in your book, Anthony, you talk about how this is seen even in the fathers of the church. You mentioned some of those fathers. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the the fathers talk a great deal, especially in the early church, St. Maximus the Confessor, St. John Damascene, later on St. Gregory Palamas, some of the Desert Fathers, Macarius of Egypt. They, they all refer a great deal to the uncreated energies, and they also refer to the transcendence and unknowability of the divine essence. In fact, you mentioned in your book that Augustine goes so far as to say that if a couple is contracepting in their one flesh union, they are not actually married. It's not even marriage. Yes, absolutely. I mean, Augustine would probably not be popular today uh, <laughs> in his view of marriage with a, a lot of people because of that, but that's precisely what he says. And St. John Chrysostom says uh, basically the same thing, and many other fathers of the Church were very familiar with contraception even in their day, even though the, the, the means and modalities of of avoiding to have children were different. They they were strongly uh, condemning towards any any sort of attempt to render the uh, intercourse between husband and wife infertile. And the starting point for all this, really, we, I mean, we talk about the uncreated energies of God, but the starting point really is God himself, the Trinity. Tell us about the Trinity and how understanding God as Trinity is so vital to understanding the Church's teaching on contraception. Well, uh, it, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit we speak of as being three persons and one essence. Uh, they are absolutely one and absolutely three. The unity of the Trinity signifies that each of the persons is not any aspect of the essence precisely for themselves. They are a complete 
and perfect sharing of that one essence. They each are the essence in its entirety. And this absolute unity in the Trinity is supposed to be imaged by husband and wife, where they are two persons become one flesh. And that means that in their total mutual gift uh, of themselves, they are supposed to withhold nothing from one another, and then that union between husband and wife is supposed to be until death and is supposed to be open to new life. So they image the perichoresis, that is the mutual indwelling of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they image the kenosis, which is the outpouring, the self-emptying of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in their mutual gift to one another. And how then does contraception contradict this? Well, I don't think it's hard to see that if you insert contraception into the union of husband and wife, then immediately there's a breach in that perfect self-gift of the husband to the wife and of the wife to the husband, and there's a withholding, and the fertility is being withheld. And in doing so, they, they fracture that way in which they're supposed to image the absolute love, the absolute outpouring and gift of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which makes the Trinity a unity as well. So there is a breach of that union of husband and wife. Again, quoting from your book, this is page 68, you say that these terms require the marriage to be, in other words, what you're talking about here is it images a Trinity, number one, freely contracted. The couple enters willingly into the covenant without being coerced by a third party to do so against their will. Number two, total in scope. The gift is a complete gift. Not only all that each of the spouses possess belongs to one another through marriage, even the very bodies of each become the property of the other. Number three, faithful until death. Marriage is indissoluble. Only death ought to separate husband and wife. This also excludes any relations outside of marriage. The marital union is between one man and one woman until the death of one or both spouses. And number four, fruitful. This means that the couple must remain open to the gift of life and must not attempt to impede the possible conception of children through their marital union. So again, you, you mentioned the four marks of marriage, and this is reflective of the mystery of the Trinity itself. As you said, the Trinitarian mode of existence through an examination of the two traditional models pertaining to the material covenant. And first of all, you said you looked at the four marks of marriage. Then you went on also to look at some of the other aspects of marriage as well, and how marriage also forms the symbol of the Eucharist, of Christ giving himself to his bride. So what amazes me about this theology, Anthony, is that it's completely integrated. It's like a thread woven through it all. You know, what, what goes on in the bedroom doesn't stay there. <laughs> you, you move from— for sure. <laughs> it finds its context in the, in the Eucharist, in liturgy, which finds its context— which, which itself, the Eucharist finds its context at Calvary, the mystical nuptial wedding, the, the reconceiving of the human race on the cross through Christ, now the new Adam, and his mother, now the new Eve. And it all finds its fulfillment in the wedding feast of the Lamb, which, of course, is the smash ending of the Bible itself. <laughs> so you've right. got nuptials from beginning to end and all the way through. By all means, yes, the Bible, as others have mentioned also, but the Bible begins with the marriage. That's the marriage of Adam and Eve. And the Bible ends with the marriage, the marriage of the new Adam, Christ, and the church, his bride. So, and then throughout, of course, the Bible, there are many threads woven through various marriages, whether you talk of the patriarchs of the Old Testament, uh, of, uh, of Mar Mary and Joseph, and their very unique marriage. 
But I think, you, you know, one of the most interesting figures of the transitional period between the Old and New Covenant is John the Baptist. And he's referred to in the Bible as the friend of the bridegroom. Yes. And it's, as I mentioned in my book, it's, it's a, a, a paradox very fitting to our Eastern liturgical tradition. He is the friend of the bridegroom, that is John, the forerunner, the Baptist. But he is also martyred for bearing witness to the unchaste relationship between Herod and Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. So John the Baptist is actually beheaded because he is bearing witness to the sanctity of marriage. That's why John the Baptist was actually martyred. It wasn't for bearing witness to Christ directly. It was because he said the marriage bed must remain undefiled. He said it is wrong for Herod to take the wife of another man. Yes, it's a, it's an interesting. That was a fascinating a chapter in your book. Well, the whole book is fascinating, I think, and uh, it was very affirming for me because it's is very much the kind of thoughts I have had as an Eastern Christian, and also in the work that I do in the area of the theology of the body, and also just promoting the whole spirituality of marriage and family as revealed by God and articulated by the Church. Anthony, where can people get your book? My book is available on Amazon. Orthodox Christianity. Marriage and Contraception is the title, and just in case people have a a hard time looking it up, my last name is spelled S-T-E-H-L-I-N. Again, it's called Orthodox Christianity, Marriage and Contraception. This is a book I would highly recommend, especially even to Catholics, both East and West. As I mentioned, the word Orthodox, yes, it refers to Orthodox Church, but more so it's referring to that spirituality that comes from the East, that both Eastern Catholics and Eastern Christians share. It's a spirituality that certainly, when understood right, especially through this idea of the Trinity and the uncreated energies of God, that when understood through that lens— Truly, it it really elucidates the wisdom of the church's teaching on natural family planning and against contraception. Anthony, I want to thank you for being with us today on Light of the East. We're going to have you back because we've got a whole lot more, not only about this book, but there's also something else interesting I received from you, a book that explains what is basically a kind of a Eastern or Byzantine rosary. And that book is called The Prayer Rule of the Theotokos, as prayed by St. Seraphim of Sarov. Now I'm going to leave the listeners wanting more about that. So, so I'm going to thank you for being with us. We're going to have you on again. And God bless you and your work, and thank you again for the book. Thank you, Father. It's been wonderful being with you today. I appreciate it. God bless. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab. And on iTunes, Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, ByzantineCatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.